Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Bell the Bell with Bobby Blaze. I'm your host, Professor Jeremy Vilmer. This week, we are talking about wrestling's greatest families, and to help us do that, joining us now, Bobby Blaze. Hey, Professor, man, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm okay, I'm okay. How about yourself? All right, man, well, I'm doing all right. I just, you know, I'm a reader, you know, I'm a reader, and sometimes I like to read some fine filth, mm-hmm. so I went through and um, I was reading some uh, old penthouse letters the other day, and... Uh, Man, this one, it was really good one. This lady, she had a dilemma. She wrote into the uh, the forum there, you know, and she says, uh, man, I've been really noticing my neighbor. He's really hot. I've been wanting to hook up with him. Every day my husband leaves for work, I notice he's kind of looking at me through the door and this and that. So finally one day, I guess the guy just, her husband leaves. Right there is a guy knocking on the door. She lets him in, and they just go at it. She says she lets him in. They start fucking right up against the door, and she says, here's my dilemma. Once he started putting that big dick in my pussy, it felt so good. But when he was backing my ass up, the doorknob went up my ass. And I came like I never came before. Now I have a real problem. I don't know if I like my neighbor's dick more or the doorknob more. That is a dilemma. So, that is a dilemma. That's a dilemma. Yeah. So I thought, are those letters full of shit or not, Jeremy? You know? So I thought, I'm all right. Well, Penthouse, you know, I like the uh, Playboy, rather, has the uh, Playboy Advisor. And I thought, I'm going to get me some advice from the Playboy Advisor. So I wrote me a letter. Mm-hmm. And I said, dear Playboy advisor, and I want to see my name in a magazine and see if they'd even answer it. I said, my name's Bobby, and I like to masturbate with sandpaper. Do I have a problem? Well, the next month, the letter come back and said, dear Bobby, if you do, you won't for long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good, Professor. Happy oh. belated 4th of July to everyone out there. <laughs> yeah, happy 4th of July to everybody in America who's listening to us, which is like 98% of our uh, our listeners right now. But apparently, Bobby, we lost our French audience when we uh, took that little break. Okay. Well, we'll get them back, man, because word of mouth, man, word of mouth. Exactly, exactly. So, Bobby, this week we are going to be talking about wrestling's great families. Uh, you want to preface anything before we go into it? Oh, yeah, you know, we're going to get some right. Actually, we'll get them all right, so there's there's no right or wrong in this. I do know we're not going to kind of – we're going to do them. We're not putting them in a the top ten, so don't take us a top ten. Uh, we don't talk shit about anyone, so we're not going to talk any backstage, out-of-school politics, nothing like that. We're just going to try to mention some of the great families in professional wrestling, try and do them right and do them, do them, do them honorable. And uh, we may leave one or two off of this. It wasn't intentional, but we just for time, you know, we're just going to try to hit on – just to, from way back when to to every family member we can think of that fits these um, into this category of these families, I think it's gonna be a fun episode. I know I know you've done some serious research on a couple of these, and and I was really really impressed. And um, I hope our fans just enjoy this episode. I think they will. Know our audience, I think they'll really, or hopefully, I know the audience. I think they'll really enjoy this about the uh, some of the greatest and best families or. First family is a professional wrestling, if you will. Yeah, um, and like you were saying, we're not gonna we're not gonna like put them in any order or anything. We're just gonna kind of riff on them as we go. So yeah, obviously we're gonna miss somebody uh, somebody's family in here. But whoever we miss, if you want to give us a shout out, jump over to Anchor FM slash Bell to Bell Blaze. You can leave us a message right there, and we might play it on the show and answer whatever you're saying about it there too. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great to have a caller call in about that, Jeremy. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, so you want to jump right in this? Do you have any shout outs or anything? Well, or, you know, before I we got a couple of things, I want one more thing I did want to say uh, before we do it. So if you got a shout out or anything, go well, ahead. And I'm gonna say I'll, I'll tell you what, I need about 30 seconds to hit what I'm going to hit. So you do yours, I'll do mine and then we'll start. Okay. Well, real quickly, I ran into um, one of our listeners here locally. Shout out to Jim Heald. Jim Heald um, stood way back from each other. Uh, getting ready to go to the gym. He's getting ready to go to the store, mask on, took him down because we're way apart from each other. So hi, Jim, if you're out there. He went home the other day to catch up on the first two episodes of this season. And so it's good to see him. Uh, next thing, just so you all know out there, listen, guys, please. As you know, you can follow me on Twitter at BobbyBlaze744. You can follow Jeremy at the Geekish Cast on Twitter. Also the Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. Listen, I don't know about the professor. I can only speak for myself. And I say, if you're coming to this podcast for political, religious views, or anything like that, you might be on a wrong uh, podcast, you know, because we we don't get into that a whole lot or whatever, but um, just kind of put that out there. If we ever talk about religion, uh, church, or or politics, or whatever, take it tongue-in-cheek. And I did hear from um, 
uh, I think you did too, Jeremy. Heard from Tex, and um, so sometime soon, uh, we hope to hear good things. Uh, he says he's getting ready for the hot tag to tag back into the podcast. Yep. And just remember to keep him out there in your in your positive vibes, your thoughts, your prayers, whatever you need to send out. Because Tex will be back with us soon, we hope. Okay? Yeah, I think tomorrow's his his day in the chair, I believe. So that's that's probably if you're holding back prayers or you know happy thoughts, maybe maybe give it July sixth. I think is the date, yes. right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So by the time the people hear this, just just realize that you know um, we're just when, again for political views, religion views, whatever. Don't you know? Just take something with a grain of salt. But Tex said he liked the joke, and he you know he liked the Brother May thing, and Brother May was looking. Uh, Brother May loves you, he said. Wasn't that yeah, what he said? That's what, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. So, but yeah, he's he's got a tough time ahead of him, but he's going to pull through this because he already said he's going to tag back in on this bad boy soon. So positive thoughts, man. Absolutely. And with that, that's really all I had to say is just that one shout out. I wanted to send something out about, you know, the political views and religious views and, and, and make sure Tex got a shout out. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Get well soon, Tex. We're, uh, we're pulling for you here. All right. And Bobby, all I need to cover, um, is I'm going to talk about our new host at anchor.fm. Great deal, man. Great deal. It's free. <laughs> it is. It is. Everything's so, uh, right there. All right. We were going to jump into this bad boy this week. I believe so. All right, I'll start us off real quickly. I'm just going to make this one real brief, but if, if it wasn't for this family here, I would have never got, well, I would have gotten involved in a professional wrestling business one way or another, but I hold, I'll have a great, great debt of gratitude for the Malenko family. Uh, Larry Simon, Professor Boris Malenko, you know, that's my trainer and mentor. Somewhere around a four or five month uh, period, the great Dean Malenko jumped in and started taking over my training and helped me very, very much. And then his older brother, Joe, who was trained under Carl Gotch, but they had a gym down in Tampa, Tampa, Florida, at the Malenko Training Academy. And I got to uh, work with Jody some, and, and especially when he was working on timing and stuff to go back to Japan, he helped me quite a bit, just in little things, little things uh, back in the day. So the first family I want to mention is the obvious, uh, Professor Boris Malenko, Joe Malenko, and Dean Malenko. Um, and they have trained so many people through the years. The list could go on and on and on. Um, and actually, the other day, I talked to Sean Waltman, uh, one of our, you know, one, X-Pac, one, two, three kid, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I spoke to him, a friend of ours, who we thought a couple years ago had passed away, Willie Wilkinson Jr., who lived in Japan about eight or ten years. Legitimate tough guy shooter, also trains under Malenko's. Uh, Got his phone number today. He's alive. He'd just been traveling throughout the U.S. doing some work and stuff, man. And uh, I got to speak with Willie for about a half an hour the other day, the same day. So it's a really a couple of my smiles that day. I got to talk to Xbox, which I hadn't talked to for a couple of years. And I got to talk to Willie and hadn't spoken to him for over 20 years the last time we was in Japan together, probably. Um, but he's trained Bob Cook. They just helped so many people. Al Perez back in the day. Um, and I, 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 if I start naming people, I'll miss people, you know. But yeah, yeah. Um, the Malenko family is who I put it up there. And, again, it's not the top for any particular reason other than I wanted to say thanks. So, well, anyway. it's, you know, here's here's the thing. It's it's your show, and they trained you, and they can be at the top of the list. I mean, you know. Oh, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. And but, I watched something the other day that kind of uh, – I can't remember who it was. Um, oh, it was Arn Anderson. Ask Arn anything. And Jeremy, you've always said uh, when Dean was wrestler of the year, like 1997 or so, but you always talked about how you know you thought great, how great you thought Dean was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Arn Anderson put him over huge, pretty much just like you did. And I thought, man, that's really awesome how how much Arn thought of him when he first, you know, when he first met over in Japan and we first brought him in. Of course, now they've worked together, I guess, in WWE, and now they're both in AEW as producers. So uh, I just think that's cool when when someone you know repeat something that we've said on this podcast, uh, you know, here and there in the past and back with some of those YouTube video stuff, the way you and I speak highly of some of these uh, people, other people go above and beyond saying something positive and good about someone we think so much of. So good stuff. No, I mean, definitely for my money, Dean Malenko is one of the best wrestlers. I mean, technically when it comes to his ground game and everything, what he can do in the ring, how seamlessly he can flow from one move to another. And then just from a showmanship standpoint, everything he does looks like it hurts. <laughs> you know what I mean? When he, when he drops that like belly breaker on you or any oh of that, God, it just, yes. yeah. Yeah. 
Man, and stuff. I got to work with him several times when I was in Florida, and it was a, just a great experience. Man, I was nervous. I was nervous at Horland Church the first time I wrestled him. A little show called Suncoast Pro Wrestling. I had a little TV. They shoot on like a Tuesday. I think come back out on like a Sunday just on uh, uh, cable access TV down there. But, man, I was like, oh, my God, I got to work with Demon Lee. Of course, it was an honor. But, uh, yeah, it was it – was, um, what it was a good match for me. I won't say it was his best match because I'm sure he had a lot better one. Of course, I was just beginning too. Yeah, but yeah, he was great to get in the ring with. You know, Bobby, I actually I have a question about Demonico. So when he wrestled in ECW, he they called him Shooter. Mm-hmm. Did he have a reputation for fucking going into business for himself, or was oh, that no, just no, okay? Very professional. Here's the thing: he could, he could. I've well, seen him. Oh, yes. He can go. Believe me. He'd done a samba and he worked some, uh, you know, of course, Jody worked with him so when he was younger. Dean didn't like that particular style. Plus, mm-hmm. I think in high school, his wrestling coach, uh, I know that high school that he went to there, uh, I think Hiro Matsuda was uh, one of the coaches that helped, you know, and of course, he was around Eddie Graham and, and, and um, he went to school with like Pat Tanaka and uh, uh, around the same time, I think Mike Graham was a little bit older, of course. Yeah. But he was around all those great guys, you know, had his older brother, like I said, and then Mike Graham and around the sportatorium there in Tampa. No, he could have went into business for himself at any time, believe me. Okay. Uh, I never saw him have to do that because of the professionalism. And well, that's what I will say about Joe and Dean. When they got you in a ring down there, you was, you was not in the ring with anyone safer than those two guys. Well, and that's so. the thing. Like, I mean, we don't know. A whole, I mean, we as like the audience at home don't know a whole lot about Dean Malenko behind the scenes. But you got to figure he's a yeah. second generation guy. His brother's in it. We know these guys could hurt you if they want to. But they come across professionally. So I just couldn't see. I, I could never get that to work in my head besides this yeah. kayfabe thing, you know. Uh, very professionally, and then I've even seen, you know, back, backstage flare-ups sometimes here and there, you know, things happen and stuff, and I've seen a lot of people just stop and, and, and show Dean nothing but respect and say, yep, it's all good, you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh just, just one of those things, yeah. Um, okay. Anyway, well, let's, let's go ahead so, and move on to the yeah, next, and, and I think here? we're, we're going to lump these together and talk about three yeah. families simultaneously. Yes. The way I've got this written up. And you, I'm going to throw them out there, then you blend back in. How's that? Yeah, that sounds uh, good. The first one, the way I'm going to do it is this. Of course, we got to go up to McMahon's. you got Vince Sr., Vince Jr., and, of course, you got Stephanie and Shane and now Hunter. And um, then, you, and of course, that's WWF up to the WWE. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can't leave off the Crockett family nope. from Jim Sr. to Jim, Jim Jr. To, to them running the Carolinas. Uh, all through the uh, uh, mid-Atlantic region there, promoting professional wrestling and, and uh, concerts and things like that. And then, of course, the Jarrett's. Uh, you got, you know, Christina uh, Jarrett, uh, Jerry Jarrett, Eddie Marlin, and Jeff Jarrett, of course, uh, from Continental Wrestling to the USWA Wrestling to Jeff and uh, – and uh, sorry, Jeff opening up the uh, – uh, I think the uh, TNA and then also went on to uh, GWF as well and, of course, just – that whole family just, you know, uh, like I said, I think yeah. I mentioned uh, Continental and USA uh, wrestling there um, all through the uh, back in the territory days, I guess you will, all the way up to what they did now, because I guess Impact is uh, somewhat of an offshoot of the original TNA. Is that correct? Uh, it so, it is. Yeah, I mean, it is basically a renamed TNA. It's I mean, uh, obviously, yeah. it's been acquired by somebody, but yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, so anyway, lump them out there, but go ahead, Professor. Well, I was going to say, you know, in this case, I would say that probably the McMahons are the most impactful family on pro wrestling. Yeah, since, <laughs> since I mean, basically, they're you know, for twenty years they were really the only you know, wrestling company that really mattered. Um, they they were the first one to take wrestling national. Of course, the old man probably would have had a heart attack if he knew what his son was getting ready to do. <laughs> I think so. Yeah. I think um, I think so. But, you know, they're, they're probably the most impactful. But I think when you look at the big picture of how we got to where wrestling is today, I don't think we put enough credit or blame on the Crockett's either. I agree with you. I was hoping you'd bring that up, man. Yeah. They carried such a vast, um, just in that mid-Atlantic region, if, if just through the Carolinas, Virginia, and, and even going down into Georgia and, and some in West Virginia and Kentucky and, and up through uh, Ohio, just over in that whole area, though, but mostly in the Carolinas, that mid-Atlantic part of it. Um, man, they were just so over, and that was just a legitimate, that's a good territory, you know, to work just the Carolinas and Virginia and touches of Georgia, Tennessee, whatever, like I mentioned there. 
But, of course, once they crossed west of the Mississippi and started going, um, what, Denver and, and, and California and, or L.A., uh, San Francisco, some of those markets, I, I guess that's where they kind of crossed the line of, of trying to get too big too fast or what, Jeremy? Well, I mean, you know, depending on how you listen to the stories, it sounds like yeah. Jim Crockett pretty much, if Dusty wanted to do something, Jim just kind of went, well, fuck, here's the checkbook, you right. know. And it, you know, got down to the point where they didn't have any cash left. But yeah, I mean, Jim Crockett Promotions eventually took over the NWA, basically. Right, right, yes. Um, you know, he consolidated a number of those southeastern uh, companies, even to the point where he ate up uh, the UWF, you know, Cowboy Bill Watts' uh, uh, mm-hmm. company, even though if he had just waited a year, it would have died and he could have just picked it up on its own anyways. Yeah. So, I mean, they were gobbling stuff up, spending money where they didn't need to spend it, but they were trying to match the Mac- the McMahon family yeah, dollar for dollar. Yeah. But if and, they just stayed in that mid-Atlantic region and done those normal once-every-three-month tours they did up in Ohio and Michigan or somewhere like yep. that, even over here in the West Virginia, that was a that was a loop they did that was probably their, probably their farthest loop up this way, uh, being from the Carolina area, you know, as their home base, South Charlotte. And then, like you said, basically took over – um, the Atlanta, and then over to, uh, like I said, Watts. If they just waited a little bit longer, if if that if it wasn't, I don't know how much pressure it was to, but um, you know, with McMahon expanding like he did, they had to do what they thought was best too, you know. So yep. um, anyway, um, so we went over this kind of briefly. You can't leave those families off the list, you know. No, well, and uh, the other thing I want to point out real quick about the Jarretts. I mean, first off, Memphis wrestling was gigantic. I mean, starting yeah. starting with you know Christine Teeny. Jared, yep. you know, but when they thought that Vince McMahon was going to go to the Hooskow for, you know, a little bit of time over that uh, steroid scandal, yeah. his, his hand-picked guy to run the WWF was Jerry Jarrett. Yes, absolutely. That's yeah. right. That's right. And that's why you're a professor. So we're going to kind of tie these other families into that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll just put this out there. The, the Welch-Fuller family, okay, they're probably the first family of pro wrestling. And I just want everyone to know, you can follow Ron Fuller at Ron Fuller Welch on Twitter, the TennesseeStug.com. Man, um, go to his podcast, and you can get from day one of professional wrestling 101 the stories all the way through, man. And what a great storyteller the Tennessee Stud is. And he's a great guy. Um, he actually done a opening for us from where when Tex met him down down at one of the uh, uh, Star uh, Star Cage or something like that, one of those shows. I know his brother Robert. I was over the time um, when I was in Tampa. Well, actually, I'd already been training and stuff, just living in an area, and I'd go to a gym. And, and Robert came through when he was working as uh, Colonel, Colonel Parker there in uh, WCW. And um, he asked, but I had a couple of chances to go to Memphis. That's what the point of the story is. Uh, Pat Tanaka had talked to me about it when I was in Tampa, but Ron, uh, Robert Fuller had talked to me and I was like, I was kind of dying to go there. I was willing to starve, you know, but I didn't go because I, I probably wasn't ready and I probably was not good enough to be quite honest. But um, later on in, in, in um, Smoky Mountain Wrestling, I met, uh, I got to meet up Robert again when he was working with Stud Stable, uh, complete gentleman stuff. But then by the time I spoke to Randy Hills and I was working for Cornette and um, was going to have about three months off and they asked me to come over and I, I talked to Randy about actually coming in and was seriously going to, but um, the money just wasn't right and at the time uh, where I was living at, it just wasn't feasible for me to, because um, at that point I already had my, my oldest son was uh, just being born, and it's just more feasible for me to stay at home and work as many local indie shows as I could during that three-month period versus going out to the Memphis Territory. It's not a regret, but I did have that chance, um, courtesy of um, uh, Randy Hales and, and Corny talking to me about it. It just didn't work out, and I, and I talked to several of the boys, and it just wasn't worth it. But anyway, uh, yeah, the Welch family was kind of tying at it because they had the um, – uh, Come up to what we probably the closest we know modern day was you know continental wrestling and stuff. But way back when, I guess Roy was his grandfather and then Herb was his uncle uh, of the Welch uh, family. And just like I said, best thing you can do on that is uh, hit up Ron Fuller at on Twitter at the Tennessee Stud there or listen to his Studcast because man, he can tell a story. 
and it just some of his his wrestling stories and just uh, the way the history of the business. That's your best bet to yeah. go to. I'll, I'll put that out there for you, Professor. So no, it's um, I would say that the the Fuller Welch family is American pro wrestling. I mean, yeah. You, it doesn't start without them. Um, I right. mean, and I'll, I'll, you know, I will encourage everybody to go check them out on your own. Cause I, I am not going to do these, his, uh, <laughs> I'm not going to do this any justice. And I didn't do any reading up on it before. I'm going completely off of older memories, yeah. but they would go into a territory and basically take it over at gunpoint. If they had to run it, juice it, sell it and get the fuck out and go do it somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> you know? They'd hot, they'd hot shot it. To, they'd buy it and hot shot it and sell it and go. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, I couldn't do it any justice either, but go and listen to the Tennessee stud on his stud cast, uh, which is going to lead us to the next family. Who I happen to know pretty good, uh, know all the members of the family actually. And that's because of the continental tie in there. And that's the, uh, Bob Armstrong, his four sons, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you got, uh, you know, of course you got Brad who's, uh, passed away, but you had, he was a tremendous talent in the wrestling business. What a tremendous talent. Then you've got Scott, uh, who's a WWE agent right now and road dog. Brian is youngest. He's an agent. And then there's Steve Armstrong. Also, I, I got really close with all three of the actual Brad too, but, but, uh, with Smoky Mountain wrestling, my first, t- uh, loop in, I met Scott and Steve. Um, and then the second loop, I met the bullet, you know, and, uh, mm-hmm. man, he was, uh, uh, probably close to my age now when I met him and uh, I was in such great shape, but such a, uh, where he had been a promoter cause he had owned continental at one point and promoted, you know, the, uh, all throughout been a big star on the Georgia championship, you know, NWA Armstrong. I just can't say enough about the, uh, uh, James family. They're good people. Um, I know Bob recently lost his wife, Gail, and uh, they was married for over, they just had had their six year anniversary. But what a uh, great wrestling family. You can't mention this, po- uh, can't say you're going to do wrestling families with not mentioning the Armstrong family on, on, on this podcast. And I have nothing but uh, a lot of good memories from the traveling with them. I, at one time, I was the uh, Armstrong family driver. We'd joke around about it sometime, depending on who I rode with or who they rode with. But if ever there was one of the brothers that, uh, I remember one time we went to Minnesota, and I think Steve got sick, um, and so Brad was riding with Nick Patrick, and uh, uh, Scott and I just rode did the whole loop together. You know, everyone just kind of split up. But then in Tennessee, uh, Scott was doing WCW when it first, when he first started with them. I was riding with Steve because he had have it. You know, Brad was already hadn't come in yet. You know, so it's one of those things. And Brad had actually got a start there as a dark shadow, but he was already moved on to. Uh, WCW, then WWF, you know, and yeah. Road Dogs. So just got to know those guys. And boy, like I said, I can't say good, enough good things about him. He had talked to me. Uh, one of those locker room leaders that I talk about sometimes, you know, word comes through. He was commissioner, but, you know, word come through that in a babyface side, Cornette probably sent word like, hey, you know, tell Bobby this or tell me that. Kind of like with Ricky, maybe tell me to sell more or less, you know, kind of thing. Bullet would say, hey, you know, maybe this spot's not the best spot here or take it completely out of your match or add this to it or have you tried this, you know. So yeah. uh, nothing but positive reinforcement, you know, to, to how to best get over, if you will. So good stuff about the James family or Armstrong. I'm sorry. Um, you have anything to add about them? Cause I know just, you've got something coming up after this. Yeah. Just, just a quick one here right now. I'm not, I'm not going to take anything away from the others, but sure. <clears throat> I think Brad Armstrong looked the most wrestled the most. It should, that guy should have been a star. And I don't, Absolutely. I don't understand what happened. I don't get it. Cause I, I know Jim Crockett, they tried to push him when they put that what was the light heavyweight title or the, yeah. 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 <clears throat> and it just, it was like nothing worked. And then of course he got Jim Hurd comes in and makes him some knockoff Spider-Man. And then yeah. it was just the run of stupid gimmicks after that. I just, yeah, it, it, I don't know. I know this. I, I was in, flew in to Louisiana, took a ride. I had to go to Lake Charles, Louisiana. Pulled up to the building. I think it was me, Scott, Steven, uh, Scott, Steven, Brad together, uh, had got the rental car together. We're going, I don't know how recently WCW had been there, but as we're walking in the back, there was an old time security guard there. And he said, man, and of course, Brad worked out there and he worked for NWA and stuff. And the guy said, Brad Armstrong, he said, man, the last time I saw you, and this security guy, so he said, they're taking this time just talking to us, letting us in. He goes, Brad Armstrong, last time I saw you, man, he goes, you had one of the best matches I've ever seen in my life, and it was against Ric Flair right in this building. And Brad was looked at him and go, really? Thanks, man. You remember that? And he goes, yeah, you know, they had a little conversation, and we went on in, and he's, uh, Brad talked to him. Then I was at a unit to justify this a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, not that it needs justification, but down at Universal Studios, on like the, we filmed for 10 damn days, like five tapings a day. 
one of the last matches of the last taping after 10 days. It was just a worldwide TV taping, and it was Brad Armstrong versus Ric Flair. And um, I'm going to tell you, Dean Malenko, Chris Garrico, myself, Eddie Guerrero, um, might be a few more I'm leaving out, probably Scott and Steve for sure. Um, anyway, we were all right around the monitor, and they went about 10 minutes, and I'm telling you what, they put on a friggin' wrestling clinic, let me tell you. Uh, you know, having, and I, I don't know why Brad wasn't a bigger star either, and that's not of my concern, uh, you know, because I have nothing but to say. I'm, I'd put him over anywhere gladly, and rightfully so, but him and Flair put on a clinic in that 10 minutes they had that day, so I can't imagine seeing them live, like out, like I said, maybe at the uh, Lake Charles Coliseum or uh, Auditorium or whatever name that building was but i just remember it was in, in lake charles louisiana and a guy remembered it from like 20 years ago so uh yeah i can't say enough good stuff about brad his talent uh looking apart being apart and everything yeah just the guy the guy should have been a bigger star i just yeah. i don't i don't I, maybe he was maybe at the time he was too small maybe that was the problem i don't know might, might have been i don't yeah. know um uh, i mentioned someone in there uh, i think you have some information about one of the guys that's now mentioned in that story um, the Guerrero family. Yes. Okay. Uh, well, all right. So the Guerreros, um, God, you know, I did a little bit of research on this cause I mean, I've seen a Guerrero wrestle in just about every wrestling company I've ever looked at. Matter of fact, it was a couple weeks ago. I was watching an old WCCW match and there were two Guerreros and Jose Lothario on a six man tag team. Holy shit. Yeah. You want to, <laughs> you want to talk about like some, some star power right there. You yeah, know? no doubt. Um, but yeah, we start with, you know, Gory, um, and this, I didn't know Gory took that name because he used to have bloody matches. I didn't know that. Well, you are a professor. You looked that up and you sent it to me, man. That was all kinds of great information. Yeah. Sent me. So yeah, he was born Salvador Guerrero Quesada. Yeah. Uh, his first match was in 1937. Um, he is credited with creating the Camel Clutch, the Gory Special, the Gory Siamese Twin, and it looked like a couple brain busters on a pile driver as well. Yeah, and I think that uh, one. I think the Guerrero's actually, if I'm not mistaken, they used that reverse or that Tombstone pile driver back in the day too. I think I think, I think that was that yeah, yeah. I think that I was so. one of them. I was having yeah. trouble following a few of those. Yeah, I think one of those. <clears> anyway. Yeah, they had. Um, Let's see, was it four or five sons? I think it was four sons. Chavo, Classic, Mando, Hector, and Eddie. And Eddie is like 18 or 20 years younger than his next brother. So there was quite the, quite the spread in ages there. Yeah, and, yeah. and apparently Gory, uh, Gory liked to put the hammer down, I'm guessing, because that would have made him quite a bit older, and yet he's still popping out kids. <laughs> yeah. And of course, I got to meet um, Hector Guerrero uh, when I first broke into the wrestling business. I had a uh, match. He was doing the Lasertron gimmick, and I had a match with a uh, tag match, me and Buddy Landell against uh, Lasertron and, and handsome Jimmy Valiant or Boogie Woogie Man Valiant. So, and I met Hector several more times in the years down at uh, Universal Studios uh, for WCW. The one I, and of course, I knew Chavo. Chavo was just coming in about the same time I was in WCW, and everyone knows what a huge star he went on a and uh, really good guy, and I guess he has a lot to do uh, producing or uh, helping with the um, uh, Glow Wrestling. That's on Netflix. I think he's one of the producers or helps with that in the background. Now, and some Bobby, are you, talk, are you talking about Chavo Jr. here? Jr., yes. Okay. I'm sorry. I, passed, I, I went okay. past several Mondo. I went past Chavo uh, in Classic, and I went past Mondo. Uh, Mondo, uh, he was in the book we talked about with uh, one of our shooters, uh, Gene Lavelle. We yeah. both talked about that before. And of course, I got to wrestle Eddie Guerrero a couple times. And I will say, um, as talented and as good as Dean was in the ring, um, Eddie was very, very one of the smoothest in the ring. He's probably the lightest person I ever worked with. As soon as you grab him or he grabs you, it's it's go, it's go time. I mean, it's just a one fluid, smooth motion, man. And I got to wrestle him in Erie, Pennsylvania. And um, also, I wrestled in Sarasota, Florida. But in Erie, um, it's like in the winter, it's real cold. And, of course, it's cold. It's fucking Erie. It's in the winter, Bobby. Yeah. But anyway, we had a really good match. And when a lot of people that saw it on TV, he gave me so much of it. He just caught it on the ring. On the fly, let's go. You know, all I had to know was the five-star splash. You know, that's all I needed to know. Um, he he come up to me. He's like, you know, he'd already seen me around, know me around, saw my work and stuff, and knew I was uh, one of Dean's, you know, 
uh, guys. But uh, he said, Bobby, get in the ring, just listen, you know, five-star five splash, you know, frog splash, whatever, you know, what do you want to call it? But anyway, um, man, a lot of people thought I was going to win that match because it was really that competitive and it was a good match. The uh, second time I wrestled was in Sarasota, and um, that's when I was almost ready to leave. They had already had to fall out with Bischoff, and there was some um, – I wasn't in the room, so I can't say who done what. All I know is supposedly some coffee got thrown on someone – um, in the war room with Bischoff and I guess Eddie and and uh, uh, maybe Saturn and, and Dean, some of them other guys, they might have been in the room. I don't know. Like I said, I'm just going on here so on that. Yeah. But I know I was on the board that night to wrestle Eddie, and uh, he was kind of around the building. You know, I wasn't going to bother my – you know, you hear these little whispers throughout, shit's going to happen, this and that. So when it come time to work, Eddie just come up to me again like Bobby – Basically, it's going to be a line off, he said. And he, I could just tell nothing but professional, though. He goes, you just stay on me. I'll cut you off when I want to, but whatever you do, stay on me, and you know to finish. I go, yeah, and I just did it. It wasn't as smooth as the first match because, um, you know, we, I basically was staying on him, just, you know, beating him. I, I, not a whole lot I was going to do. Like, I picked him up, suplexed him, done whatever, you know, my stomps and and uh, some things like that. But it's, like, uh, so easy to work with, man, in the ring, and such a um, a kind human being, too. Um, just a, a real loving man, and um, not saying that just because he passed away or anything like that, or, or now deceased, whatever. But he really was. So that, that Guerrero family, though, I think there's been a Guerrero on TV or in a wrestling ring or in some company that you've watched in one form or another. You've had, like you said, you've seen a Guerrero's. What uh, a Guerrero! You quoted me. Or I quote you, a Guerrero has worked in every major promotion, WWE, WCW, AWA, NWA, CMLL, E-M-L-L, E-C-W, and others, I'm sure that I've probably forgotten. That's that's the homework of the great professor right there, folks. He talking about the girl family. So, professor, thanks for that uh, uh, good background checking and, and homework on that girl family. Again, we can't say enough uh, yeah. about these people and these families. And then, you know, uh, well, of course, automatically, that means I left out world class right off the top. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, but, you know, I was going to say, you know, now out of all those. worked in uh, Continental, actually, too, I think. There we go. <laughs> they probably worked in so many damn towns and territories, man, you know. So that's not even, jeez, uh, yeah. Well, I think I think after I throw this in there, um, Hector, of course, was the gobbledygooker. Can't can't leave that out. <laughs> yeah, I was referring to him as Lasertron. Yeah, I forgot yeah. that. <laughs> um, but he also was part of the Spanish announce team uh, for TNA Wrestling until 2015. So I think officially right there, we have tied the Guerrero family to every wrestling organization. Because Mondo used to work L.A. and San Francisco. Yep. So, so that means he was in this loop here. Um, we have now tied the Guerrero family to every major Mexican and North American wrestling company in the last, what would that be, 50 years, 60 years? I'm going to say I'm gonna say 60 plus. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to say 60 plus. That's impressive. And then, of course, Eddie Guerrero was just charismatic. Yeah. I mean, he, you yeah. know. Needless to say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you were talking about, you know, who was a better wrestler. Not not in those words, but like Dean or Eddie uh, Guerrero. And I think Eddie, I'm, I would have to give Eddie the edge just because he had, I mean, he's almost up there with like Dusty and superstar Billy Graham as far as just like presence in the ring. Like yeah. ability to draw eyeballs and talk, you know. Uh, once he got up there in New York, man, for WWF yeah. or WWE, uh, and they just let him shine. They let him be himself, and man, he just got up that lat the Latina heat, you know, uh -huh. just the whole the whole deal. They done that. They turn him loose. It, it, the, the charisma just oozed from him, you know. I mean, yeah, that's that's it. It just yeah. So all right, um, do we need to talk about anything else in here before we go into the next family well, real quick? I, th I think that's it for the Guerreros, but Bobby, you know, on top of having a podcast and having a wrestling career, I understand you've also written a couple books. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got a couple books out there. They're available on Amazon. I'm going to give you a couple of tiny URLs that um, if, you are, if you'll purchase one of my books or both my books, the show will get a little bit of kickback from it. And so if you'd like to get my first book, which is called Pin Me, Pay Me, Have Boost, Will Travel, just use the tiny URL dot com backslash blaze book one and that'll take you right to the site and you can uh, purchase the book right there on amazon again the show will get a little bit of the kickback my second book's called i kicked out on it too the, Ed the education of a wrestler and you can get that at tinyurl.com backslash blaze book two those are real easy to access the uh 
Pin Me, Pay Me book has over 100. I think it's up to like 110 reviews now. Uh, got a lot of positive, positive feedback on both of them. But to have over 100 reviews on a book is just uh, very impressive. And, again, they're available on Amazon at, you know, under Bobby Blaze Smedley. But the best way to do it, I think, is just do an extra click and hit uh, tinyurl.com backslash blazebook1 for Pin Me, Pay Me. Hit um, tinyurl.com backslash blazebook2 for I kicked out on two the educational wrestler and I appreciate any purchase you do make. I also, as an author, I do appreciate any reviews, good, bad, and different. But what I ask for is a fair and honest review. Um, and, and reviews help authors sell books. And if we sell a couple books off there, this podcast, uh, the bell to bell with Bobby blaze and with my great co-host, the professor, Jeremy Vilmer, the show gets a little bit, a little bit of kickback out of that. And, uh, we always appreciate that very much, Jeremy. Yes, absolutely. Um, and, you know, Bobby's got another book on there if you want to do some searching around, you know. Yeah, uh, I got a know. couple. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Um, yeah, look that up. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, good call, Professor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's go with, uh, again, we're not doing these in a certain uh, particular order. We're just kind of throwing out these families, and we hope we're doing them justice. Um, the next family, just kind of a... Uh, uh, Jeremy and I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell the name of the team. I'm going to let Jerry. okay, it's the Samoans. It's Alpha and Sika. Hit it, Professor. How All do you right. say the last name? All right, so according to the Samoans. website, yeah, according to the website I looked up, it's pronounced Anoai. Okay. Anoai. Yeah, okay. so please, if if you are part of that family and I pronounce it wrong and you see me on the street, do not headbutt me. That's, Absolutely. that's yeah, that's, it was well, best intentions. Alpha and Sika, they were trained by High Chief Peter Mavia. Um, they broke in at about like 1973. They made their WWF debut in like 1980. Um, so I wrote down after this, I put there's too many to name, but the Samoan family, I mean, you, the, you just can't, I don't know, there's, you can go all the way from the, like I said, way back when t- you was telling me earlier about how big of a, a star High Chief Peter Mavia was out there, and of course we just do the bloodline of these of the Samoans and mm-hmm. and the blood the blood brother line as well. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm afraid I'd leave someone off if I started naming them, but uh, there's there's just so many. I don't even know. Yeah. So um, I guess I'm trying to figure out how this works together. So the Mavia family and the NOI family are related through blood brother status, which I don't know a lot about Samoan culture, but I believe that puts them in like a clan like structure, if not a direct family like structure. Yeah. Um, so there's, I mean, they're practically related if they are not related. So we're going to treat that like one lineage anyways. So the NOI, my via connection is kind of all included in here. Right. And again, if you want to on that anchor.com, um, Hey, leave us a message on there. We might put it on the show if you like to, you know, send us some information or yeah. have a question about that. And you might think, yeah, well, they just breezed over a couple of uh, uh, names just because there's probably too many to name. But um, you know, we had a, we, these families are all, you know, like you said, you said like a clan-like uh, or a blood brotherhood type thing. This next couple of families I'm gonna mention here, Professor, um, might be your um, fictional families, if you will, okay. or uh, show show families, if you will, or for the uh, for the running program of the, uh, the of the name. The first one I'm gonna bring up, uh, of course, are the uh, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, the Andersons. You've got Lars, uh, Gene. Oh shit! I just looked out the window. I'm I'm drawing a blank. Yeah, Lars, <laughs> Lars Gene, Oli, Arn, Arn. Thank God. Sorry, folks. Rick Flair. And his cousin was Ric Flair. Yeah. I have the notes here. I knew them. I looked out my window and I saw this damn cat, and I, I hadn't seen it for a couple of days. So I apologize. That was me. I apologize. <laughs> I have Lars, Gene, Ole, Arn, and cousin Ric Flair. <laughs> Just so you know, I do know a little bit about the rest of the history. But, no, I was telling you about uh, the Ask Arn I mentioned earlier the other day. They do these clips on YouTube. Uh, and, of course, we have a YouTube channel, too, at uh, tinyrl.com backslash video that the uh, text is taken care of. And we've got a ton and ton of videos over there for uh, like 105, uh, 1.5 million views, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, back when Arn, he talked about a pair of boots that he had that only four people had worn. And he was the fourth one uh, that they had originally given him. And uh, it was a pair of the Anderson, the old Anderson boots. I thought that was a really, really good story, man, of him talking about the pride he took in being a quote Anderson when he come into the, uh, the wrestling business, you know, or got into 
moving on down, to, or excuse me, um, getting into the NWA kind of thing. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Lars, Gene, Ole, and Arn, and a cousin, uh, Ric Flair. Yeah, and so yeah, <laughs> that's four tough fucking men right there. I mean, if you ever <laughs> you ever watch their matches, they just stomp the shit out of people. It's just, um, you know, and probably. If when you watch that, you'll probably see like some of the greatest tag team tactics were kind of developed yeah. in that grouping where cut the ring in half, work the shit out of the other guy, fast tags. Or one body part yep. of the other guy. Yes. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's also funny to me, like Anderson is such a, uh, Norwegian name, you know, like that Minnesota Viking group area, right? Yeah. Right. And because uh, Arn Anderson doesn't sound a thing like he's from Georgia at all, you know. Yeah, and and you know he was such a good talker too. You know he yeah. just he, it's kind of one of them things. He was quick and to the point and to the word, and he said what he meant. He meant what he said, kind of thing. You know. So uh, we've always put them over on our oh, show. Yeah. And like you said, watching tag team action, you know, like you said, cutting a ring in half, uh, quick tags in and out, keeping a fresh body in there, uh, working that same body part and stuff. Just, it just, and they made so many baby face teams, man, mm-hmm. because of the way they worked. And all the baby face had to do was fucking listen and sell, listen and sell. And they'd build, they'd beat you down, but they'd build you back up for that comeback. They knew how to get heat as heels, man. Oh, you know, yeah. What a, Great, uh, all all them guys. Any combination, you know, just really was over, over, over. So I couldn't, uh, I couldn't remember the actual match if I had to, but I do remember on uh, uh, WTBS Saturday Night one time. It was the, uh, I think it was Arn and Ole against the Rock and Roll Express. Okay, and, and they got, you know, they got Ricky, and they they are just beating the shit. I think he was in a hammer lock for like seven minutes with them just going uh, in. Yeah, you're yeah. probably right. <laughs> probably the rock and roll, and probably Ricky selling for six and a half minutes. <laughs> yep. Oh, and I remember, it, you know, in in TBS they had that small audience. Yeah. But the, but the thing I love about a studio audience is you cannot bullshit their reaction. Right. If if people yeah, they didn't are, pump any fake uh, fake uh, no audience sounds. I if, like that. You're if right. they if they start to get upset in the audience or they're starting to worry about the guy who's getting the shit kicked out of him in the ring, you hear it. Yep. You know it. You know. So yeah, that that's a great yeah, that's a great family right there. Just some of the okay. toughest, baddest sons of bitches that can also <laughs> work a microphone. You know. I'm going to mention a couple more storyline families just real briefly yeah. here. We can add in however you like. Um, I'll put this family really quick. Uh, the Valiant family, you had Handsome Jimmy, of course, uh, Luscious Johnny, and, and Gentleman Jerry. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, big tag team champions up there in New York at one time. Got over huge. Uh, flashy to blonde hair. Uh, you know, long blonde hair to tan bodies, those kind of things. Uh, and I'm just going to kind of breeze over them. And I know Jimmy Valiant is really, really such a nice human being, I'll tell you that. But, um, you know, they just got over. It was just a flashy gimmick for them, you know, with the handsome the, the, the gentleman and, you know, uh, luscious and all that. Because I'm going to take us to the next family, the Graham family, uh, which you had Eddie Graham, of course. Mm-hmm. But you had Crazy Luke, Dr. Jerry Graham, and superstar, superstar Billy Graham. Of course, you had Mike Graham in there, too, and I'm sure I'm leaving out some. But but those, you know, those work cousins, if you will, everyone knows what a great um, – the story about Eddie Graham in Florida, you know, running a Florida territory, learning a book from uh, Dory Sr. and then how he kept that going. Crazy Luke, my brother, uh, I had basketball practice. I know we'll get, I'll, we'll get this. We joke about sometime. Um, I remember seeing Crazy Luke, but the next month uh, he brought his cousin back with him, which was Dr. Jerry Graham. And I never got to see Dr. Jerry Graham work live. My brother did. But uh, I know that was Vince, uh, uh, Vince's uh, favorite wrestler, supposedly, was uh, Dr. Jerry Graham. And, of course, I think everyone knows who uh, the great uh, superstar Billy Graham is as being, uh, you know, former WWW and WWF champion back in the day, those big, huge arms. And, and uh, so many people copied that gimmick through the years as far as, you know, uh-huh. the uh, bleached blonde hair and the big muscular tan body and the uh, – uh, uh, rainbow or uh, psycho or what do you call that fucking uh, tie dye? 
that tie-dye pattern, you know, and yeah. just got over huge with that body. Um, but those guys were another, you know, one of those fictional working line, storyline families um, that was over pretty cool, man. Um, just kind of threw them out there to Anderson's, the Grams, and the Valiants. And, again, if you've got a family that we left off here, we kind of just missed over some. Um, be, be, be sure to send us a message. Hit me up at Twitter at BobbyBlaze744 or Jeremy at the Geek of Cast or the uh, – the tag team uh, Twitter at uh, Bell to Bell Blaze, or leave a message over there on um, Anchor FM for us on our site there. Um, I'm going to throw out a couple more, Jeremy, before we wrap things up. I know we got about three more families to go over. Are you can, ready for a couple more? Well, can I, can I make a comment real quick? Absolutely, man. Um, so this is this is specifically with the, uh, the Valiants and the Grams. Okay. Um, right before, well, the start of this year, um, I had started kicking around the idea of taking a, a quote unquote kayfabe oh, yeah. last name. And the yeah. two I was trying to choose between were Graham and Valiant. And, uh, cause I thought Professor Jeremy Graham sounds like Dr. Jerry Graham. And Professor Jeremy Valiant just has a flow on its own since my last name already starts with a V. Yeah. And those were the two that I kept like kicking back and forth thinking if I, if I, if I did this, those were the two I was going to try to pick from. Not saying so for now on you are going to be known as the professor. What? Well, Jeremy Valiant. Uh, that's I, I, I got to kick it around, Bobby. But I did want to point out that those two names are some huge names in wrestling and they're ones to always look at, you know. And you could be part of the working storyline as one of the great Valiant brothers, man. Mm-hmm. You, you've come through for us, professor. <laughs> You're the smart one of the group, brother. You're the smart one. <laughs> Oh man. Yep. So I just thought I'd throw that out there. Just, like just, that. To, I like yeah. That. Okay. Remember that folks hit us up there. <laughs> All right. Next family I'm going to mention is the, uh, Wyndham family. Of course you had blackjack when it's blackjack Mulligan, uh, big Barry, man. We've talked about him on this program so many times about, you know, what a huge star we thought he could have been and was of course, but we talked about how talented he was in the ring and 86, 87, how great, you know, you, no one could probably fucking touch Barry Wyndham at college. He was having matches that was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, his brother Kendall and then her son-in-law's, uh, uh Mike Rotundo, former uh, Syracuse University wrestler and varsity club wrestler and IRS, you know, and I just liked his work. And, you know, when he was just Mike Rotundo kicking ass everywhere. And um, I guess he's got a couple of sons there, Bray Wyatt and Bo Dallas. And I might be leaving someone off that family, but I hope I'm not. So uh, talk a little bit if you want to about the Wyndham family, because I know we got two big families coming after us as far as a lot of people. in the, Yeah, in the, in yeah. The well, you know, for me, I mean, obviously I knew who Blackjack Mulligan was, but I think I I knew who Barry Wyndham was for a couple of years before I knew he was Blackjack's son. Yeah, oh, me too. It took several years. Yeah, to um, but Barry, I mean, you know, like when he was in the Horseman and he'd come out, you know, leather vest and fucking chaps and that, that top rope uh, Widowmaker suplex. Yeah, that was my favorite. Uh, that was my favorite uh, part of the uh, the Horseman, too, by the way. Mm-hmm. I, that was my, we've talked about that before. I love when Barry joined him. I just thought he fit that group so good. Man. Oh, he did. Definitely. It's just, you know, you know me, what a fucking fan I am of Tolly. So, yeah, oh, I know. You I know, know, yeah. So you take him out, it's going to be my second favorite. But I got you. I yeah. Understand. Not because it sucked. I mean, it was fucking awesome. It's just, yeah. you know, I happen to like Tolly and that little fucking cocky rooster attitude. You oh, know? Yeah. yeah. And you could check out the YouTube about how he was our number one heel at one point on um, on that YouTube channel, what, at tinyurl.com backslash BBBB video. That's or it. Just go to the Bell to Bell Bobby Blaze, Bell to Bell Blaze, I think, on YouTube and listen to uh, Jeremy puts over, the professor puts over, and so do I, uh, Tully Blanchard. We've got some good stories on there. And just, uh, we, we've got regional heels on there on some of our uh, top ten list, you know, and, and Tully tops that list at number one for the, the regional heel. It was awesome, man. Um, the next family, real quickly, I know we're just kind of, Getting to the again, he's in no certain order, but uh, Stu Hart, his family, you know, the big Hart family, you know, Stu was a booker, promoter, you know, coach, trainer up there in a the dungeon, and it kind of goes back to like we was talking about at the beginning of the show when we we mentioned all the uh, uh, promoters up there, and I'm sure we left off a bunch more folks on on the uh, promoters of the big families, but uh, some of these guys with their families also promoted uh, wrestling locally, you know, to help you get started and, and get you some training and get some matches under your belt before you actually got a break maybe out in the territory or out on tv nowadays but you had Stu hart he had oh him and helen you got smith keith bruce wayne dean ross and diana and of course you got most notable uh brett and owen hart 
Um, he had grandkids, Natalia, through Jim uh, Neidhart, uh, Teddy, and uh, David Hart Smith. Uh, so anyway, there's a big family, and I'm sure yeah. I'm missing a bunch if I didn't. I know when I was out in um, the Maritimes working a couple summers, or I'd go out there for like 16 weeks and do a territory back in the day. And um, I remember the guys I was with, Goldie Rogers and Eddie Watts and, and Leo Burke, and those guys, they had all worked in Calgary when the Maritimes only ran, like I said, about 16, 18 weeks out of the year, but they'd work for Calgary and change sub, uh, train, shit, changed uh, talent throughout the year. But I'd hear stories about some of the other, um, uh, you know, uh, Hart brothers as, as well, you know, who drove and who set the ring up and who'd done this and do that. Of course, you know, the big talk was, of course, about Brett and Owen uh, and then some of the other guys that had come through Calgary with them. But I had heard some of those names before. And until I looked them up, I'd forgotten all of them except for, um, uh, honestly, besides Brett, Owen, and Diana, just because of the recent uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, for that name has only reason. Uh, anything about that big, huge family before we go on to another one? Well, I, I do got to point out that um, actually Stampede Wrestling there in Alberta was the okay. – Okay, I said Calgary. Well, no, no, no. It was, it, Calgary's a city. Okay, my yeah, man, yeah. I'm, I'm off. You get me all fucked up? No, Pressure. no, it's, I was Change just... your name on us and fuck me up. I see how you are. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm pulling the Roddy Piper. You thought you knew the answers, and I changed all the questions. That's Who? right. And Roddy Piper was part of the Hart family, too. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, he, uh, Stampede Wrestling was opened in 1948, which is the same year that the NWA was formed, and it ran until 1984. So for almost 50 years, Stu Hart ran that company. And it was the largest Western Canadian wrestling promotion. See, we're down here in America, and we don't really know Stampede all that well. Up there, it was a big deal. Well, they had, I don't know how many of those years, but they had TV, I think, throughout pretty much all those, most of all those years. I heard some of the road trips were really brutal. I know that. Um and I, I guess they, um, they, I can't tell you how many worldwide stars do you think came through there? Cause they took guys in from Japan and Mexico and probably other places too. And as well as the U S of course, and Canada, how many stars did they make out of the stampede wrestling through the years? Guys that, you know, uh, I was just watching some old clips of, uh, bad news. Allen. I know he worked there at one time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, Brian Pillman back in the day worked there. I'm just trying to think of some dynamite kid. There you go. Dynamite kid. There you go, man. Yeah. Um, just, just the talent they took in. Um, I know uh, Kishi Yamada, better known as uh, Jushin Thunder Liger, went through oh, yeah. there. You know, so uh, and I'm sure a lot of other Japanese stars too. But yeah, you can't say enough about that territory. And of course, uh, with that said, you can't not leave probably the Hart family off this uh, this list of our great families. Yeah. Uh, anything else before we move on to one of our last ones? Um, if not our last one, time wise, it may be our last one. It looks like I don't know, and I hope everyone's enjoyed. All you wrestling fans, you know, hey, fact check us. But, hey, I hope you really enjoyed our list so far uh, with all these great names and wrestling families throughout the, the years of professional wrestling. Um, just didn't want to leave anyone off these families. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, you anyone, know what? I'm sorry. As as we go to our last family, let's do this real quick. Bobby, we were talking a little bit ahead of time. Um, you actually have a deal worked out with Collar and Elbow uh, and some of their wrestling T-shirts and gear. Why don't you tell us a little yes. bit about that? Yeah, Um Al Snow, uh, he's got a shoot interview with, um, if you go to collarandelbowbrand.com, uh, a quicker way to get there, though, is tinyurl.com slash bbcollar, okay? And that's the collar X elbow. But if you go to tinyurl.com slash bbcollar, they got some great merchandise. There's a shoot interview with Al Snow and uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin showing there. But if you go to their page, you'll see toboggans. You'll see women's tank tops and T-shirts and wear. Um, I've got some really nice, I've got a pro wrestling that used to look like the Pro Wrestling Illustrated magazine. Got a really nice red shirt that says Pro Wrestling. And instead of Illustrated, it says Collar and Elbow. I've got a gray workout shirt that's because Collar and Elbow. They got the Bobby Blaze, the B-L-A-Z-E, in big letters uh, in uh, yellow, red, and green. No, yellow, red, and black. 
in bright, bright blue. Um, and if you use the code B-L-A-Z-E, if you go to tinyurl.com slash BB collar, that is my affiliate link. And if you go to that, um, I'll get a little bit of commission, but more importantly, you get 10% off your order, man. So go in there and look at some stuff. They've got about every wrestler you can imagine, but they got the great collar and elbow wear, uh, that you can work out in. It's where street smarts is happening, man. I don't know their logo, uh, off the top of my head. I'll, I'll try to rehearse that for next week, but I just know they got some really sweet, uh, t-shirts. I'm trying to think I've got, uh, one more off of them that someone asked me about when I'm wearing out, uh, that just says collar and elbow on it. Uh, they got some nice caps on there too. Some really nice uh, baseball cap style hats that say collar and elbow. Um, anyway, give give me a give me a follow on there. Or look up my affiliate link at tinyurl.com slash bb collar and uh, help a brother out because it's good yeah. brothers, man. Help a good brother out. So I can tell you. Well, it's um, Al Snow's company, and I think he said Luke Gallows has something to do with it yep, as well. Yep. <clears throat> and big, um, big Luke, shout out Big Luke. I talked to him the other day on Twitter. Yep. He's and looking good. And guys, you know, um, it's like wrestling tees. I believe that you know it's like uh, wrestlers can put their merch or their T-shirt designs or something up there, and this helps generate money for them. Which I think going into the period of time we're going into, when wrestlers are going to have to be more like comic book yeah. artists and actors and mm-hmm. fucking gig all the time, and yeah. you know, I think T-shirt sales and merchandise sales are going to be huge. Enough. Well, Collar, Collar and Elbow approached me early on. They helped sponsor me as a uh, as an athlete. I'm a spo- I'm a sponsored athlete by Collar and Elbow brand, mm-hmm. uh, and I was approached by them, and I appreciate that opportunity. Uh, they originally started, I guess, to uh, help a couple of the older wrestlers out. Is what they told me. Uh, um, you know, giving you an outlet so you could put some T-shirts out See, there. That's awesome. You know, it's really awesome because uh, I haven't recently, but I've, I've talked to Al Snow since this company uh, has come around. You know, he had a guy speak to me. and We were at the same an, an appearance together for a couple of days of that. They got me a bunch of T-shirts to help push uh, to get me started back, you know, out there when I did go back out and do a couple of the uh, uh, shows that they were sponsored on. And I appreciate that very much. But yeah, they, um, that's originally why they started it. And now they've got all kinds of different athletes that you'll see that are affiliated with them. But if you use Blaze, B-L-A-Z-E, you'll get 10% off. But if you go to that tinyurl.com slash BB collar, um, you'll get 10% off, you know, and I can get a little bit of commission, but uh, I really like to see you save some money by using my code because I got some very, very cool, uh, wrestling wear, man. Uh, yeah, so absolutely. Good and, gimmicks. Good yo, gimmicks. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out a way we can approach them for a sponsorship on the show. So, you know. Yeah, I know. We've sent out some fillers yeah. on that. We'll just have to wait and well, see. You know. <laughs> I don't know if you're out there listening. Mm-hmm. Well, Return the, my message. <laughs> look, I've, I've, got, I've got two that I'm really trying to hook up with right now. We've got Collar and Elbow, and then we've got the Acme Folding Steel Chair Company. Oh man, wait a minute. Save that, man. Say, no, them folding chairs, no. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why we got that pallet of folding chairs dropped off the other day. Okay. okay. I know you kept eyeballing it, and that's what it is. I'm trying out some of their chairs. We're going to see if we can get like a sponsorship deal with them. Well, I hope we do. Yeah. I guess you're probably looking at guitars too, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's actually, um, El Cabong <laughs> Guitars got a hold of me, and. <laughs> We should have one of those delivered here pretty soon to try out. I I okay. don't really know how to play a guitar, but I do know how to use them for a rhythm section. I'll I'll figure that out okay. as we go. Yeah. All right, dear. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I got you. Well, well let's, let's move on to this yeah. last family here because we're getting all caught up in uh, these uh, gimmick stuff, man. Um, but yeah, I hope your chairs come in. What mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so last family, I'm going to throw it out there because you, once again, being a professor, you are Professor Jeremy Valiant. Uh, I'm going to lead it with this. Excuse me. <clears throat> I've ran out of water here. No. It's too early for whiskey. Uh, might have to have a beer when I get off here. Anyway, uh, the Von Eric family, man, I know you've done some research, and I know it's, uh, we've talked to Kevin. Uh, he's written us a couple times on, on uh, the Twitter machine there. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we're, again, just the uh, – I know you've done some research on them, and I know you being a uh, WCCW fan, you really know a lot about the Von Erichs. And, and uh, go ahead and tell us a little about uh, Jack Jr. Rest of them, or Jack and the rest of them. There, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's um, you know they were you know Von Erich was kind of their their working name um, because when Jack Atkinson started as a pro wrestler, he was Fritz Von Erich, the wrestling Nazi. Yeah. Which. To me, that is like the weirdest idea that at one point in our history, right after World <laughs> War II, we had wrestling fucking Nazis in this country. I just, that just makes, Baron Von Raschke was one of them, and it just makes my skin crawl thinking about it from this, this time period back, you know? 
Yeah, but, absolutely. But he was, I mean, Fritz was a big, bad son of a bitch. Um, you know, stronger and shit. It looked, looked like a mean son of a bitch in the ring. Um, and a piece I came across that I didn't know about, but was after Ricky Dozen was murdered in Japan, wrestling took kind of a nosedive. And, um, you know, Fritz von Eric was part of getting it back on its feet over there. Yeah, I saw that in your notes. When I read that, I was wow. like, I never knew that, man. Um, yeah. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, and in, uh, in Japan, Fritz was just called the Iron Claw. Okay. <clears throat> I love the way Japanese wrestlers are named, by the way. Where they're just like, you know, hey, hey what's he deal? Hey, he uses the claw. Well, okay, we're calling him the Iron Claw. <laughs> yeah, did you shake his hand in the locker room? <laughs> Holy shit, what a grip. Oh, Iron Claw. <laughs> did you ever see those videos of like Carrie? And they, they were talking about how you'd use that claw so much that eventually your hand just started getting strong. And they'll show them pick up an apple and crush it and shit like that. Have you ever seen uh, this? Yeah, I've seen them, yeah. That's, I don't know if that was real or not, but that was kind of wild to see. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. But the Von Erichs, man, they were so over. You had Kevin, David, Kerry, Mike, and Chris, and they, as you said, they were just, uh, where's all the blowjobs at? Probably mm. Dallas, Texas, you know, yep. that's where they're at. But, uh, man, well, that family is probably over more than any other family, wouldn't you say? I would, I would I know, say so. I know just, yeah. I know we're finishing up. I just want to hear if you're going to say it or not. Well, we didn't really put these in a certain order, and I just want to make sure that, uh, everyone's aware. No, you know? but I mean, if you great go, families. yeah, if you go back and you watch like them coming out to the ring, they're getting molested. First off, almost half the audience is chicks. Now, whether they're 18 or 80, you can't really say, but they're getting, you know, manhandled on their way to the ring by women kissing them and grabbing them and stuff. They were hotter than shit as far as, like, the chicks in the audience went. But, you know, we had David, who the rumor is was going to get an NWA title shot. Uh, after yeah, David, I heard that. Yes, yeah. Heard that. After David passed away, Kerry did get a title shot. Yeah. Um, they probably had the hottest feud ever in wrestling with the Freebirds. Uh, yeah. I got to um, I got to say I was going to use this, but I'm gonna go ahead and say it. At um, we had a rule on this show, the Freebird rule. So one of our fictional families could be the greatest uh, family of all time, from Brad Street, USA, the fabulous Freebirds man, Terry Gordy, Terry Bam Bam Gordy, and Michael P. S. Hayes. And uh, fuck me, I'm just drawing a blank all of a sudden. Buddy, buddy Jack. <laughs> buddy Jack, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so we could have thrown him up here with the uh, 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 fictional families, couldn't we? I guess in a way for just being brothers. I don't know. Uh, just the way we've done our show in the past, we, we had that, you know, free bird rule in effect. And, and we've mentioned them just as brothers. So that'd be more a fictional family, I guess. But uh, they didn't promote or anything, but they knew how to get over. Like you said, they had a lot of Von Eriks and, and just stuff like that through the years. Um, anyway, I know we're getting po uh, posted for time here. I did have one more shout out. I'm gonna get off here. Uh, Tim and Nate from, um, uh, wide men can't jump. They put together a little song, the uh, Bobby blaze, pin me, pay me song. I think, uh, professor, maybe you can get that on one of our podcast uh, episodes here up pretty soon. I wanted to thank them guys. I wanted to thank Chad from up in West Virginia. Just a little shout out for him because, uh, I think he sent that tweet that kind of got you and I got back together of what, why the fuck what we, you know, what uh, we knew what happened. We explained that in episode four season or season four, episode one, uh, with what went on and stuff. But, uh, again, I'm just glad to be back into the, uh, podcasting with you again, keep texting your thoughts and prayers and positive vibes, man. And I hope everyone out there, I say it all the time, but you know, uh, just please take care of each other out there and, uh, every day just try to do your best and, and, uh, uh, just, I don't know, man. Just like when I popped a while ago, this little lady's cat next door had gone away. And when I saw it come back, man, I was like, oh, there, you know, there's baby. And, uh, uh, that's what the cat's name is. I think he's about 12 years old. Been missing the last couple of nights. And I think maybe the fireworks maybe scared him a little oh, bit. Oh, probably. Or yeah. Yeah. But I saw her going out there and getting them. And, uh, I popped earlier. So that's why I did that. Cause that's a shoot. You know, it's just, uh, my emotion got on me when I saw that. But, uh, listen, wrestling fans, thank you very much. And I'm going to throw it back to, uh, Professor Jeremy, uh, Valiant here and let him wrap up our show. And, uh, I do want to say thank you, Professor, no matter what the fuck you have to say. Well, you know, I was going to, I was going to go out and, you know, mention like what a bunch of toothless hillbillies our listeners are. But I think I'm going to end on a happy note and we're going to kick it to that toothless hillbilly who sent us this awesome Bobby blaze song and uh so stick around for a second after i say goodbye and then listen to the music and thanks nate it was 
it was a pretty awesome little uh, little thing to get. Um, until next time, bye bye everybody. Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze and the Professor Jeremy Vilmier. Co-starring Tex in the Boiler Room, baby. Bobby Blaze, he is the man. Went toe-to-toe with Dan Severin. The professor's here, he's never wrong. One spent six months sleeping on a futon. Bobby Blaze, he's been around. Just ask the swingers in his hometown. He's always happy, but he don't know why. Was once billed as Kendo the Samurai. Pin me! Pay me! Oh yeah, we got Bobby and Jeremy, and somewhere down in the boiler room we got Tex. They're getting things done, bringing you some quality podcasting. Download it now, do yourself a favor, do it now. You can find them at anchor.fm slash bell-to-bell-blaze. Support them. Leave them a message. Give them a few bucks. Do it now. Bell-to-bell with Bobby Blaze. Top tens that will amaze. Just two buddies shooting the shit. But when you're done, you'll know that they're legit. Oh, Bobby. Jeremy and Tex. What a trio. What a combination. You do not want to miss this podcast. Download it. Do it now, I'm telling you. Don't. If you don't believe me, ask some other people. They'll tell you. Check them out on Twitter. Check them out on Facebook. That's Anchor. .fm slash bell to bell blaze. They'll blow your mind, trust me. Purple Haze, you're going to need some because it's going to get crazy. You're going to love it. Bobby swears a lot. Jeremy shakes his head. Tex laughs. Although, there's days we don't know where Tex is because he gets lost in the boiler room. But anyhow, enjoy it. Go there. Be there. Have some fun. Take an hour out of your day. You're going to love it. Trust me. I wouldn't scare you wrong. Bell to bell with Bobby Blaze.